We are beginning this four-week challenge with uh, a challenge to spend more time with God. I think this was mentioned, maybe Jason mentioned it earlier. In a deeper engagement with God's Word, with the Bible, uh, it is not enough for me, for you, to simply listen to the Word of God being taught. You're here this morning, it's not, that's a good thing, I want to affirm that. But it is not enough simply to listen to the Word of God being taught, or even to read the Bible um, as a... Uh, part of your daily experience or your weekly experience. Both of those things are good. But you need to, I need to let the Bible, let God's word read you and read me individually. Is how God speaks to us. And through that reading of your heart and reading of my heart, that's how God leads us forward um, in our walk with Jesus Christ. That's what I want to talk about this morning uh, in a message titled, A Living Word. Allowing God's word to read you and to end with a challenge for you. Even as Tricia said, one that you can begin today that can go on for you know, the next 28 days, but hopefully further than that. A Living Word, Hebrews chapter 4, you have a copy of the Bible on your, in your lap, on your phone, follow along as I read some verses Selected verses from Hebrews, the New Testament letter near the end of your Old Testament. Chapter 4, I'll read verses 1 and 2, 6 and 7, 11 through 13. Follow along as I read. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of, us, none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. He's talking about the Old Testament people of God, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Verse 6. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in, because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, the essence of my message, do not harden your hearts. Verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience, the Old Testament people of God. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This passage, these selected verses, are really part of an extended sermon. It lasts a couple chapters. If you want to go back and read it uh, outside of this morning. It's a, it's a sermon that the writer of this book gives to this community that he's writing to in the first century about the wildering wanderings, wanderings of the Old Testament people of God. Many of you know the story. For almost 40 years, they wandered around the wilderness. It was never intended to be that. 
Okay, maybe some of you don't know that, but they were this the, the journey from you know from where they were right from Egypt into the Promised Land geographically. It took about, it's supposed to, it should have taken about 11 days to make that journey, okay, in their culture based upon the transportation of their day. That 11-day journey took almost 40 years. And he's saying, listen, let me tell you what happened. It was not because these people, you know, were outside of the the, the communications with God. It's not because they weren't in the proximity of the Word of God. They were, okay, okay. But they, the word did not take root in their lives. It did not activate in their lives. It did not result in a kind of a quality of living that helped them move forward into the promises of God. In their case, literally the promised land. First point. You have to do more, he's trying to say, than listen if you want to hear from God. It's not enough to simply be in church, right? For we also, Paul speaking, or the writer, I should say, whoever the writer is, speaking to this community, we also have had the good news proclaimed to us. Now watch it. Just as they did. Of course, the content changed, right? From the old covenant to the new covenant. Jesus died and rose from the dead. But it's the good news of God, the old covenant, the word of God. They had that good news preached to them too. He's not talking here about people who have never heard the word of God and, oh, it's different. The people who don't hear it, they don't know what you and I know. And, and it's hard to compare our lives to their lives because, you know, maybe they are just um, obstinate. Maybe they live in, a, in an unreached group in the middle of some place that's hard to reach reach that's not comparing apples to oranges he's saying no i'm comparing apples to apples they too heard the message they too had the good news that's another way of saying the gospel proclaimed to them also but it was of no value to them right at all i would suggest to use what he's saying right the church is full of people including this church right who hear sermons, who read the Bible outside of church, but their lives are unchanged, right? What's he saying here? Unless the word of God, right, this metaphor, gets into your heart and challenges not just your behaviors, your beliefs, listen, your assumptions, particularly your assumptions about yourself, right? That's what we're really going to get to, right? The word of God is, is uncovers and lays bare the eyes of him who we must give account. Unless it challenges not just your behaviors, your belief system, and your assumptions about yourself, right? You're not going to change. What's the point of this striking metaphor, right? The word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. You know, penetrates the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Don't overthink it, right? This isn't some, you know, what does this all mean? Let's, let's figure out what is what in this passage. He's simply trying to talk about the role of the word, uh, the word of God plays in our lives, right? It's not simply about information. I'm all about Bible study. I'm in some, I hope you are. But to study the word of God is not simply like you're studying a textbook, a medical textbook, or American history. It's not simply information. It's information for the purpose of revelation, right? It's be standing before, we, everyone must be uh, stand be, before the eyes of him who, for whom we must give account. It's a living relationship with God. 
Right? That's why I'm, there's no question, I think, and, and people would say this who, who write commentaries on this passage, he's, he's bringing up the Genesis account, right? Because he's talking here about how God deals with the sin that's in, you know, below all sin in our heart, the sin of our hearts, how change happens in our lives, right? It's one thing for God to forgive our sin, right, as a transaction, it's another thing for, for him to rebuild our hearts and our lives, to heal our hearts from our sin, and to rebuild us to make him more like his son, Jesus Christ. That's a whole other thing. That's what he's talking about here, right? That, he says, listen, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. I think he's talking, going back to the, to the, the Genesis account. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him for whom we must give account. Think about Genesis 1 through 3, right? The man and the woman, and they were naked, and they felt no shame, right? This is not just a story of what happened, uh, let's say, in, 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 in the creation of the world. There are great theological truths here. And it's saying, listen, there was a time when, when, when mankind walked before God naked in a manner of speaking, and there was no shame. There was no hiding. There was no lying. There was no obfuscation. We didn't do those kinds of things. We walked with God perfectly because there was no sin. But once sin came into the world, right? immediately the human race started to hide and to um, tell half-truths and to realize that there was something that they couldn't even put their, maybe their minds to right away, that this awful sense of conflict and weight called sin that stood in between man and God that needed to be dealt with. That's what he's talking about. And there is a sense, see, even for people who are Christians and that are forgiven, transactionally, God's forgiven your sin and you're on your way to heaven. But experientially, right, there's still a great surgery that needs to take place in your life. There is still sin in your life. There is still sin in my life. He's saying, this is what has to take place. Just like the opening chapters of Genesis. We need to become, there needs to be a spiritual surgery in our life that brings the word of God to our life where the word of God probes the, Intermost parts of your heart, the innermost parts of our everything is uncovered and laid bare before Him, the eyes of Him who for whom we must give account, and brings to consciousness the motives, our conscious motives and thoughts to light, right? Things that I might be hiding from you and you might be hiding from me or the people in your life, things that we don't even know ourselves need to be brought to light. I heard a pastor years ago that I greatly respect, uh, give a sermon, and he said, listen, let me tell you something. The, the overwhelming majority of if congregations in, uh, in America, if they knew, you know, if they had a transcript of their pastor's thoughts on a given day or a given week, they'd never come back to church, he said, right? Now, let me tell you something. I know many of the ministers in this town, and that would be true of every one of them. Okay, not of me, of course, but it would be true of them. No. Listen, what's he saying? What's the point? When he's talking about a rest, right? Let us therefore make every effort. Is, Christian, is, is, it, is, there, is the Christian life take effort? You better believe it does. I thought it's just God's grace. Faith, you know, God responds to our faith and he forgives our sin. Yes. To, be, to have your sin forgiven, it is an act of faith in the finished work of Jesus. But then to experientially experience a transformed life, oh my goodness, 
Of course that's work, right? Let us make every effort to enter that rest. Well, what's he talking about? It's not a physical rest, right? It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a spiritual rest. It's being at rest with who you are, right? With who you are before God. See, there's an inner critic. I think we all would would acknowledge that. Every one of us walks around. And when you become a Christian, it gets louder, not softer, right? When the Spirit of God comes into your life. It's an inner critic that I need to prove myself worthy because I have this voice that says to me, there's something wrong with me. I need to seek your approval. Good night. I need to seek God's approval. And that voice becomes louder and louder. I'll tell you what we typically do. We do one of two things. We either beat back that voice with bad habits or distractions, and we could go down a long list of what those are, right? Or, and or, we try to satisfy that inner critic with overwork, but neither one of those things will avail, right? You're never going to make yourself worthy through your own efforts. What you need, what I need is, yes, a wake-up call that says, I'm going to lay bare the criticism, the envy, the greed, the lust, the, the, the sin that is, I, I want you, I'm going to lay it bare. I'm going to uncover it before the presence of Almighty God. That's what the Word of God does to us. It puts us into the presence of Almighty God. And instinctively, we want to say, no, no, no. But see, when we get into God's presence, He's a loving, heavenly Father who loves you, who's created atonement for you, and he's going to rebuild us, but he has, to, he has to get to this place to do it, right? Many of us are avoiding it, right? Because so we don't understand the process of what it means to change. I, I was reading, like many of you, you know, after the, after the playoff, the first round, you know, in the, in, in, in the great uh, New England Patriots um, lost. And... Um, I just saw this in an Instagram post from, from Tom Brady, you know, and it said, you know, he went on to say, you know, thank you, uh, fans, thank you, Gillette State, all these nice thank yous, he, you know, it was a very, very thoughtful thing, but then you could tell he was making a point at the end of this little post. This was the day after, uh, a week ago Monday, and he said, um, uh, I want you to know, let me be clear that um, I still have something left to prove. In other words... I don't know if I'm going to be a patriot next year, but I'm not done. I thought, wow, it just really impressed me. Here is a guy who, you know, for a long time will be a standout, uh, a member of the National Football League, been in six Super Bowls, or, or no, he's won six. He's been in nine, I guess, right? By nine or eight or nine. Oh, my goodness. And he still has things left to prove, see? You, you will never satisfy the inner critic. I will never satisfy the inner critic, right? The only way to experience change is to bring yourself into the very presence of God. Allow the Spirit of God, allow the Word of God to uncover and lay you bare where God can come in with His grace, where justice and, and mercy kiss each other and you experience the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and He begins the rebuilding process. Our engagement with God's word, he's saying, is like a spiritual surgery that brings you into the presence of God. There's this passage. It's in um, story, speaking of the wilderness wanderings. John chapter 5. 
Jesus is walking the earth doing his ministry, and he sees a man. I think this is a great analogy for humanity, for you and me. And he's, he's a man who's been um, an invalid, physically handicapped, it says, for 38 years, which makes me believe it was his whole life. But I believe many commentators think that it's also a commentary on the Old Testament people of God who wandered for 38 years. And he says to this man who Jesus is healing people, and he says, listen, asks him this incredibly important question. Do you want to get well? Okay. That's what he's asking every single person in this room. Even people who are born-again Christians, you're on your way to heaven, I'm talking about experiential change. I'm talking about going from being forgiven to living like Jesus, having greater experience with God's love, greater experience with his power, greater experience over the sin in your life, greater ability to become what all God has called you to be, to to live on purpose, as Jason just mentioned, right? That's what he's talking about. Do you want to get well, or are you okay with just being a defeated Christian, right? Someone who comes to church who maybe is checks the box, who has some kind of experience, but truthfully, between me and you, my life hasn't really changed in one, two, 20 years, okay? Do you want to get well? And the guy says this. That's a perfect analogy for humanity, I think, for me, for you. He starts by making excuses. Oh, well, there was a superstition that when the waters were stirred, it was an ancient superstition in this, in this body of water, that if the waters were stirred, in the first person in the water would be healed, right? This is the kind of, some of us live our lives this way. This guy was, as far as a Jewish man in the Jewish community, but still, we have these superstitions about life changes. Well, when the, he says, well, Jesus, I'd love to be healed, but every time the water is stirred, no one helps me. Well, Jesus doesn't even acknowledge his excuse. What he does is this. He looks the man right in the face. This is the moment of truth. He says, listen, pick up your mat. Right? He says, I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you a command. I'm going to give you a directive that's going to face not only all of your excuses, but it's going to speak to the inabilities in your life. And you're either going to hear that word and respond to that word or not. And the man picked up his mat and he walked away. Okay? You have to do more than listen to hear from God. Second point, the promises of God are there for the taking, okay? The promises of God, oh my gosh, there's so many of them, are there for the taking, but here's the point. It's not a casual affair, it's a focused effort, okay? It's not a casual affair, it's a focused effort effort. Think about those of you who are married in this room. Let me ask you a question. Or significant relationships of any kind. But let's say if, if you were married for, you know, 10 years at least, maybe 20, maybe 30 years, are there things, don't raise your hand, but there are things that you have learned about your spouse. I mean important things. I don't mean, you know, what kind of food they like or, or television shows. But I mean important things about the, your spouse. In other words, maybe their convictions. Maybe their fears. Maybe things that they love that you never knew that they were important. If you learn things about your spouse over the course of 10 or 20 years, maybe it took 10 or 20 years, that you had no idea the day you got married. Okay? Is that true? Now, if that's true with another human being... How much more true is it in a living relationship with Almighty God? But if you're not going to make every effort 
to get to know him, right? And to go after those promises so that you can first know those promises and then claim those promises, well, then they're not going to change your life. This is what he says ongoing in this sermon. Chapter 5, same, uh, same sermon though. Verse 11. We have much more to say about this. This is the, you know, the, the writer of this book and the giver of this sermon. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Right? In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, okay, they've been in this congregation for a while, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, I wouldn't dare look my congregation in the face and call anybody a spiritual infant, okay? But this pastor doesn't have my reservations, okay? That's really what he's doing, right? He's not talking about, obviously it's a metaphor. Anyone who lives on milk, in other words, elementary teaching, listening, oh, I got a great podcast. I listen to, you know, every great pastor in the, in the country, not knocking that. But you have to move on to solid food, which is for the mature, who by constant use, watch this, have trained themselves, right? Man, I, w- I want to see you experience God's love at greater levels in your life, right? To areas that have never been touched by God's love. I want to see you and me experience God's power involved in sin areas in your life in in levels that you've never experienced. I want to see you and me and others know the wisdom of God, the thinking, the mind of Christ, to be able to make good decisions and discern good from evil. I want to see you experience, but what I'm telling you is, what I'm suggesting to you is, this is solid food, right, territory. It's solid food. The church can help you. That's what the four-week challenge is about and many other things are about, but it has its limit. See, there are many people, many of us, and in the church at large, who have a second-hand faith, not just kids and students, adults do too, a second-hand faith built on second-hand information. But that kind of second-hand faith and second-hand information is not the kind of faith that's going to get you students through the tough challenges that come when you go to college. It's not going to help you manage the challenges that come in every marriage, not some. It's not going to help you to manage some of the deep disappointments that life brings every person. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use, the whole sermon's about the word of God. Now watch this, have trained themselves. The word trained in uh, verse 14 in the English translation, the underlying transliterated Greek word, right, Greek is a different um, uh, uh, alphabet or different um, symbols. The underlying Greek transliteration of the word trained is gymnasium, okay? That's what he's trying to talk about. What, what am I saying? Listen, 
if you're not growing, if I'm not growing, I mean truly growing. I'm not talking about, you know, um, superficial growth necessarily. I'm talking about in the areas of sin in your life, wisdom in your life, power in your life, your ability to love people at greater levels than you have yesterday, okay? If you're not growing, I'm suggesting to you what this passage is suggesting to, to us. It's, be, it's not because God is um, indifferent. It's not because God is withholding from you or withholding from me. It's because you or I are not invested enough, right? Some of you no longer try to understand. You're not invested enough to hear what he's saying. Walter Brueggemann, a great writer, said this about the relationship with God. The Christian life is a legitimate expectation between partners who have learned to trust each other. Think about that. He's talking about God and you. The Christian life is a legitimate expectation, right? The promises of God are there for the taking. It's a legitimate expectation between partners who have learned to trust each other. If you want to make real strides in your relationship with God, you not only need to know the promises, you need to ask God to make them real and visible in your life. Are you doing that? Psalm 119, verse 58. There's a hundred verses like this. I could give you. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. Okay? There's a, there's a, a mountain of truth in that verse. I have sought your face with all my heart. Of course, that's a, that's a poetic and colorful voice. Listen, I've made my relationship with God a priority. Right? I'm like the, you know, the, 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 the treasure of great price, the pearl of great price. I'm going after it. Other people are walking by it. Other people are just saying, you know, ho-hum. I'm a second-hand faith. This is what my, my dad did, my mom did, my friend did. This seems like a good thing to do. Right? Give me another podcast. But have you opened the word of God and become spiritually naked where the word of God comes like a sharp sword? that divides joints and marrow in, in the soul and the spirit and uncovers things. Now let's get to work, specifically in your life and specifically in my life. I have sought your face with all my heart. Now be gracious. See, God meets this sober moment of, 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 of exposure and uncovering with grace according to your promise, right? You need to ask God to make these real and visible. Are you doing that? Am I doing that? This is how it happens, guys, what I'm trying to say, okay? Now, last, here's the challenge. Each day demands a fresh appointment with God, right? Each day demands a fresh appointment with God. The first challenge, as I said, is about taking your engagement with God and going to a deeper level. It's about developing a habit some of you may have it, then amen. This is, an, this is an encouragement to keep on keeping on. But some of you, perhaps a majority of you, do not. To develop a habit, not only to read God's word, but to apply God's word on a daily basis. I want to give you something I was taught many years ago. It's very, very simple. And you can do it uh, starting today. Okay, It's called the SOAP method. Right? I didn't make that up. Very simple method. Uh, Concept, four big ideas here. Scripture, 
right? First, about reading Scripture. Let me, let me start with that. If you took the four-week challenge, 400 and some people signed up last week. We had a week to ramp this up. You can sign up today. There's probably a text. I should have said that first, but you can text in or you can do this on the, online today. Um, but those who did sign up, okay, to the four-week challenge today at 4 o'clock or 2 o'clock, whatever time it happens, you will get a link to our Bible reading plan. If you have one, then carry on. But if you don't, we're reading through the New Testament and half the Old Testament. We're in Genesis and Matthew right now. Okay, you got starts by reading the, the Bible every day. Second thing, you got to make an observation about the Bible passage that you're reading. Third, apply that scripture to your life for prayer. Let's let's let me let me spell these out for you. Okay, that's the soap method. Number one, scripture. You need to write down the verse as you're reading that sticks with you the most, okay? When you're reading, if you're reading a chapter or two, what is a verse that sticks with you the most, right? If you're reading a whole chapter, it may just be, you know, uh, one small passage of Scripture. It might just be, you know, in, in a verse of 30 or 40 verses, one chapter, there may just be something that captures your mind and imagination, right? We could all be reading the same passage of Scripture, but see, this is the whole point of what I'm saying here. The promises of God need to be individually um, made alive in your life. God wants to speak to you. What's going on in my life, what's going on in Patsy and Bob's life might be totally different. God wants to speak to you individually, right? So today, what is that verse that sticks with you the most? Then, and the observation, right? What is the overall message of that verse, right? Is there, what, of the verse that sticks out to you, what's the message? Of course, in some sense, the message is specific to Jesus and the disciples or Paul and the disciples or, um, you know, uh, the Old Testament narratives. Yes, but there's a timeless truth. What's the message here, right? Beyond the actual context of the verse, then you need to get to the application. How does this truth apply in your life today? How might that timeless message right, apply to your life? And then four, asking God to make this real to your heart and to your life, right? It's not about changing your life. It's about changing my life, okay? It's very simple. You, 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 you have the word of God, you read it, yes, but it's, it's not just this, the more you read, the stronger you get, right? That's not the na nature of the story here. In fact, sometimes for some of us, you need to read less, for some of you. It's about learning to apply the word of God. What is God saying here? How do I apply even one passage in this chapter to my life? What is, how, is God, how does this message speak to my life? How does it strike me as God speaks to me through his spirit? And then... How do I turn that into a prayer? Let me just show you how I did this. It happened to be Thursday. It's when I prepare my slides for the sermon. So let me just show you quick and we'll be done. An example of this. I was reading Matthew chapter 9. Some of you were if you're reading along with us or you'll start today in Matthew and Genesis. I read Matthew 9, 17. I won't put it all up there, but it's this passage where they, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, um, why, are, why do, why do the, the, the Pharisees fast, the religious leaders, but your disciples don't fast? Because fasting was talked about in the Old Testament. It was a very important uh, uh, illustration. Jesus says, well, listen, I'll tell you why. Because in a sense, um, the, 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 when, when, while I'm here, while the bridegroom is here, he uses that metaphor about himself, 
They don't want to fast because in a sense, fasting is what he's saying. The, the whole purpose of fasting, even in our day, in the sense, fasting acknowledges the absence of God, right? Because I need something in my life. I, don't, I need direction in my life. Maybe there's sin that I want to confess in my life or I want to understand it. Fasting often was a way that we kind of quieted down the other appetites in our lives. And it acknowledged, in a sense, God's absence. And it was asking for God's presence. And Jesus saying, listen, in this moment, while I'm walking the earth, my disciples don't fast because God is not absent. God is present. I want you to open up and listen. Okay, so that's the point. That's the verse that struck me. Now, what's the observation? Jesus brings newness. This is my thinking as I work that can't be confined to old forms. This is just the, the observation, right? He's saying, listen. He's not saying fasting has no role at forever, but Jesus brings newness that can't be confined to old forms. I'm doing something new, right? How do I apply that to my life? It's what I wrote down. It's time to leave behind old habits and ways of thinking and find new ways of responding to God's grace. Right? I said, God, I don't know what it is, but what is going on in my life? Where are there ways in my life where I'm holding on to old habits or just old thinking, maybe old thinking about myself that I need to let go and allow your grace to come through? He uses the, 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 the passage that I, I, in Matthew 17 it says, it's like you know, pouring new wine into old wineskins. That's the verse that was stuck with me. And what he's saying, it's a very simple metaphor. He's saying, listen, in the old day of fermentation, you'd have to pour wine ferments and it expands. When you poured it into the wineskin, it had to be a fresh skin that could expand. But if you took an old wineskin that had already been expanded and put new wine into it, it can't expand anymore. It's going to burst and the wine was going to be wasted. It's just a simple metaphor that made sense in his day. He's saying, listen, you have to put new wine into new wineskins. You need to be open to God's grace in new ways. And I'll tell you, just in the couple days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we can't get into it all. My, what's, but how God used that in my life to challenge me. Rob, you got some old thinking here. There's, there's, some of the ways that you're going about learning how to walk with Jesus, there's new ways that you can do that. And there's some old thinking that you have that you need to allow the grace of God to come in and replace. right? Because Jesus cannot be, his newness can't be confined to old forms. And here was my prayer that I prayed that day and a little the next as well. Holy Spirit, show me anything I'm doing or thinking that is limiting a new work of God in my life today, okay? This is what I want to encourage you guys to do, okay? You got to start by reading the Word of God, of course. Oh, my goodness. It's the most amazing thing that you have. But I said this in our prayer. We were sitting with our, our, our leaders today, uh, our worship leaders. I said, my prayer was this. I said, God, the, the, the Bible is like a sleeping giant in the lives of most Christians. You have one, you have five of them. But it's not been detonated yet, right? You need to detonate it. You do that by not only reading it, but allowing it to read you and, and say, now specifically speak to me. That's what he's saying. The word of God is living and active. That's that metaphor just saying, listen, it can speak to you, you and your individual life, your individual circumstances right now if you have ears to hear it. And then you've got to say, God, help me, right? I'll seek you with all my heart and so that you make, be, be gracious according to your promise and change my life. Amen? Amen. All right, stand with me. 
And let me just, again, encourage you, okay? What is this? Some of you are doing it. Then keep on doing what you're doing. But if you do not read the Bible regularly, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a plan, you're going you're to fall off almost immediately, right? I've been doing our plan for years. Right now, if you do it with us, Genesis and Matthew, it's great. So if you sign up today, if you text 2020, if you didn't already, by, by this afternoon, you can sign up to our reading plan. You're off and going. And then on the guides, when you walk out, if you take a copy of that guide, if, even if you didn't take notes in the last five minutes, this simple uh, tool is on that guide. You can begin practicing it today, okay? You can begin, you know, living on purpose today and begin to listen to God in new ways. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God and Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for everyone in this room. And Lord, I believe in my own life, as it said in, in a prayer uh, in the New Testament, you know, God wants to do immeasurably more than we ever imagined. And that sounds so flowery, but I think it's true. I think that you do want to do so much more in the lives of the individuals who follow you, in the lives of the people of Browncroft Community Church. But Lord, um, we, we're afraid at times. We're timid. We're, we're um, distracted. We're unbelieving. Help us, Lord, to um, be open. Open our hearts that we might see wonderful things out of your law, as the Bible says. Give us um, courage. Stimulate our, our hearts and minds today. Help us to love the word of God, not because it's, you know, it makes us look a, way, a certain way, because it's a, it's a, it's a duty, <laughs> it's some kind of religious obligation, but because it's the most powerful, beautiful, amazing um, reality that we have possession of that can put us in contact in a daily basis with the living God. And I pray that you would, do it, you would, you would just begin a, a deeper relationship with every person in this room, wherever they are. Even if, they're a, even if they've been doing this for years, take them deeper. And for those who have not been reading your word, take them from a secondhand faith to a firsthand faith. Detonate your word in their lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.